Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or go to our website, experiencecc.org for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. Well, it happened. My little boy is growing up and 15-year-old Ian is getting mail from colleges. Can you believe it? It's a regular occurrence now. Up next, credit card applications. But check out this letter he received from a college. They nailed it, didn't they? Don't settle for average, Ian. Become extraordinary. Become extraordinary. It's pretty appealing language, right? That school gets it. There's something special about that envelope. This one might actually get opened because it's extraordinary. This envelope has Ian's name on the outside of it, and this envelope's special. It was made for Ian. And this week, we're wrapping up our series called Made. And it's designed to help you and I understand that we are made for a purpose and with a purpose. You are not a mass-produced envelope. You're a unique creation of God. Paul said it this way, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I've shared that verse now for six weeks in a row. So my question is, has it sunk in? Do you believe it? You know, the Bible says that God knows the number of hairs on your head, and that's really specific. He knows everything about you. He created you and knows you. He set up your DNA your handprint, your footprint. God can recognize your heartbeat. He knows you inside and out. God made you like no one else, and he wants you to live like no one else. So many times we have an idol and we try to be like them, but part of what we need to do is go on a journey of discovering how God uniquely made us and how he desires us to live out our lives. That way we can live a life that honors him. At the core of this series, we've been saying that you and I were made on purpose and for a purpose, and that the sooner that we understand our purpose, the better our lives are going to be. So after six weeks, if someone were to ask you, what's the meaning of life? Has this series equipped you to give a response? I hope so. In week one, we said that we were created for God's pleasure. We then moved into discussing our purposes. Can we process those together? Week one, we said that we were created to love God back. And do you remember the technical term we used? We said it was worship. Worship is not just a style of music that we sing in occasion. No, it's anything we do that loves God back. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? Do you remember his response? He says it was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and your mind. We don't look at loving God with a portion of our lives, a small slither. We look at every aspect of our life as an opportunity to love God fully. So our first purpose, worship. Our second purpose was to be a part of God's family. The church word for this is called fellowship. And fellowship is truly just functioning as part of a church community. You were born into a natural family, and we said when you give your life to God, you become part of a spiritual family. Our third purpose is to become more like Jesus. This is called discipleship. And our focus is on not having a set of rules to follow, but rather a person to follow, namely Jesus. And last week, we talked about our fourth purpose, and that was service. God creates and empowers us uniquely to serve, to make this world a better place. Again, it's one thing to be able to recite this list, worship and fellowship and discipleship and serving, but it's another to engage with it, to think about it practically. It's life-changing to embrace this notion that you and I are special, that we have a purpose, that we matter to God, and we have a role to fill in this world. 
We must get to know our Heavenly Father and think through the implication of this, His love for us. Because the more we understand His love for us, the easier and more naturally it is to love Him back. When we get plugged into a church community, to find a church community that can, we can love other people, it's a great thing. Yes, it's messy at times, but it's worth it. Make it a point to grow in your love and trust Jesus too. Understand that the focus is on Jesus and becoming more like Him, and life just works out better when we do that. Embrace the fact that you're called to serve. Accept the fact that you're not here to be served and consume and consume and consume, but you are here to contribute. Make this series really practical. Let it penetrate your heart. Today, we're exploring our fifth and final purpose, and it's sharing the good news about Jesus to others. As you've been processing this major material, you need to understand that this is good news, and it's too good to keep to ourselves. Jesus came with a purpose, and for a purpose himself. He stated his purpose clearly in Luke 19.10 when he says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And interestingly enough, people had a really hard time embracing his mission of his. Read through the books that tell the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And pay attention to just how many times people tried to derail him from his mission. His disciples wouldn't accept that he had to die. His family tried to get him to stop preaching. The religious leaders, they called him evil because he hung out with people that weren't very godly. They'd say all kinds of mean things to him. Try to shame him for hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. Yet, Jesus spoke very plainly to them and everyone. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And again, Jesus did not lose sight of that mission. He stayed the course. The story of Christianity is that he made himself a sacrifice for all of us. And by accepting his sacrifice by faith, we're given the opportunity to reconnect with God the Father. This invitation is open to anyone and everyone, and this is good news, and we're called to deliver this news. This is the good news that the rest of the world desperately needs to hear. And guess who Jesus is entrusting and empowering to deliver this message? Every single one of us. Jesus, after rising from the dead, appears to his disciples and said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. In Matthew's account, Jesus' final words to his followers are recorded this way, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Those are Jesus' last words recorded by Matthew. And consider what his last words were not. He didn't say, well, boys, let's all pack up and go to heaven. You've outdone yourselves this time. You've been faithful to me. Now let's go home. Nope. He said, guys, you have work to do. And this work, it's part of our purpose. You see, this mission is for all of us to carry out. This wasn't an assignment just for Jesus' original disciples or professional clergy or paid ministers. No, Jesus entrusts and empowers every single one of his followers to go and share this news with others. By the authority of heaven, we are sent into the world to make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach these new disciples to join that mission as well. Pretty amazing. And how long do we do this? Until Jesus comes back to the very end of the age. You ever wonder, like, Jesus, why don't you just zap us to heaven as soon as we decide to follow you? Get us out of this world. Why not? He has work for us to do. If you're here on this planet, if you still have life in you, God has a purpose for you. And part of that purpose is being on mission sharing this good news with others. Of the five purposes we've looked at in this series, this one has the most eternal impact. You know the first four purposes? We can do all those in heaven. 
In heaven, we'll be able to worship God. We'll be with other people in heaven, community. We will learn more about God while we're in heaven. That's discipleship, right? And we'll be able to serve one another in heaven. This is the only one that we cannot do in heaven. So it does have a special priority for us here on this earth. The term of sharing the good news about Jesus is called evangelism. And perhaps you have this picture in your mind of someone holding up a sign, grasping a bullhorn, screaming that Jesus is the way, their face is blood red, their veins are bulging out, and they're so intense. Well, that's one way that the good news can be shared, but for many people, that takes the good news and makes it taste a little sour, right? I don't like being screamed at. I don't like to be manipulated. And I certainly don't feel like feeling like someone's project to convert. So let's be clear. Sharing the good news of Jesus is everyone's mission, but we each carry out this mission in unique and loving ways. Like we discussed last week, God created each of us with a unique shape, and we can each share this message in unique ways. Some may become preachers, some authors. Some will sit with their friends across a table and share this good news, but all of us have a role of playing and sharing this good news of Jesus with others. Let me be clear, this is not about selling Jesus because we have a job to do. We're sharing Jesus because we love him. He loves this world and this is good news. Sharing good news, talking about things we love, we do this naturally. If a friend comes up to you and says, hey, I just finished binge watching a show on Netflix and I'm looking for something, you got a recommendation? You would share something, right? If you had a health problem, if you found a solution and someone shared that they were having a similar issue, you would feel an obligation to share good news and a solution with them. If you found a new restaurant, it's an easy conversation starter to share a good restaurant, right? The decor, the food, all this. Speaking of great restaurants, this week, I went to Market Street Grill in Westchester. Twice. Monday, my friend Mark, the pastor of 938 Church, suggested it. It's my first time there for lunch, so I asked the waitress, help me decide on this amazing menu what to get. She told me to try the pit. It's one of their specialty omelets with bacon and cheddar cheese and tomato all topped with their special, special sausage gravy. It was so good. How so had something else in it? Fried pickles. Yes, fried pickles. Did I lose some of you in that? Maybe, but trust me, it was amazing. I even ordered a side pancake with half bananas, half walnuts. So good. Well, two days later, I, was, I called Carrie and said, hey, would you like to do lunch? She's like, sure. We started driving towards Exit, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I have the best place to take you. It's in Westchester. I did a U-turn right there on Pottstown Pike and headed south for this restaurant. It's my second time there. I asked the waitress to help me decide between a few options, and she said, give the telly special a try. People have been loving it. And I tried the telly special, and I indeed loved it. Three eggs, kielbasa, hash browns, peppers, onions, and cheddar, all scrambled on top with that same signature gravy. Mmm, I could go again. You want to join me? Email me, mattedexperiencecc.org, or call me, 610-235-1205. That's my real number. I will treat you to breakfast or lunch. You see, it's normal for us to talk about things we love, things we benefit from, things that add value to our lives. Whenever someone asks, do you have kids? I love grabbing my phone, I show them pictures, and they usually have to cut me off and say, I'll just ask a simple question. It's natural, we can keep it real, and this is no different than the way we should be able to talk about our relationship with Jesus to others. If you don't have anything nice to say about your relationship with Jesus, I don't want you to feel shame for that. I want you to lean into that. Why is that? Maybe your concept of God or his love isn't quite up to snuff. Explore that. And if you lean into that, believe me, you'll have a story to share. Maybe you have a complaint in your heart against God and you're worried about sharing Jesus to others because maybe they'll have complaints too. But we don't have to be God's 
PR agent and get in debates with people about their complaints. We should sit and listen. And we don't have to minimize our own hurts or the hardships of life and paint a picture that, hey, life with Jesus is lemon. What's that phrase? Easy peasy, lemon squeezy? No, sometimes we do get lemons, right? And we need to make lemonade. It's a cheesy adage. But God does work all things out for good, and we see that over time. You know, Jesus didn't promise that life would be easy. He said things like, in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And friends, sharing the good news of Jesus isn't about selling a product. We're communicating truths of God, a heavenly reality, an ultimate purpose. And God uniquely shaped you and me to do that, to share our unique experiences with God. We have a saying here at Experience, and we says, God is better experienced than explained. And this statement isn't an excuse to stop thinking about faith intellectually. Part of your purpose is to follow Jesus and become more like him over time, that we should grow in our knowledge and our wisdom about God. I just want you to know that you don't have to have it all figured out before you do this purpose. In fact, sometimes the most authentic ways of sharing Jesus is to share our doubts and our struggles in an encouraging way that says we're on this journey. Another thing we have to do is just sharing the good news is being a light for others to see. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5. He says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Every follower of Jesus is a light that needs to display God's love. This is the concept behind our mission to help others experience God's love. When people experience love, who gets the credit? our Heavenly Father. And this aspect of sharing the good news to others, it demands action. Jesus didn't say, let your words stand out for all to hear. No, he says, let your actions speak on God's behalf. Some people get in their minds sharing Jesus. Maybe it takes, I need to get in the car and drive somewhere. Maybe I need to get on a plane and fly somewhere, and then I can share the good news about Jesus with people. They like the idea of traveling and preaching as opposed to sharing the good news with others at work or in their home or at school. But this is a both and. We can go somewhere to share the good news, but it's really impactful to share the good news with those that we interact with. God wants to use you where you are to share his good news with others. That's why he has you there. This should change the way you see your workplace, your gym, your playgroup, your hairstylist, your dental chair, your barista. Wherever you find yourself, you're living out this purpose. And this is a state of being. This whole series has been a challenge to stop looking at our lives in compartments, like I'll worship God Sunday at 10 o'clock. No, we worship God in our lifestyle. We don't pick a time and serve on the counter and say, hey, Saturday, I'm going to do good works. That's my service. No, we have a lifestyle serving. And sharing this good news, it's not about a focused conversation. It can be, but it's a lifestyle of always representing Jesus wherever we find ourselves. Your mission is so much more than just sitting people down and sharing Jesus with words. You're called to be Jesus to them as light bearers. Light's really helpful in dark times. Dark times provide genuine opportunities to be light. Someone shares bad news, you should be a light. Stop. Be willing to listen. Someone needs help, be a light. Serve them. If someone needs encouraging, be a light and be encouraging. If someone's gossiping, don't participate. Be a light. Shine a light there. Shut it down. Dark moments provide times in an intersection when people are open to receiving God's light. I remember hearing a sermon about great times to invite someone to church or to share your faith, and they mentioned three knots. 
And these knots should serve as opportunities that help us see that there is an opportunity to speak into someone's life. It would serve Jesus well if we trained ourselves and thought about these kind of conversations in ahead of time. Perhaps we can invite them to a church service or to an opportunity to accept Christ, possibly. The not statements are these. Things are not going well is the first one. If someone says to you, my home life isn't good, my job, my marriage, things are not going well, your ears should perk and say, this is an opportunity for me to share some encouragement. Someone may say, I'm not prepared for this. I'm about to be a dad. I'm about to be a mom. I'm not up for a promotion. Or I'm up for a promotion, rather. I'm taking care of my aging parents. I'm thinking about retiring. These are opportunities for us to speak in and say, how can we help? And maybe someone says, I'm not part of a church family. I'm new to the area. I get questions about faith. And when you hear these kind of lines, you should lean into these opportunities and say something. Let me be clear, this is not turning that person into a project. This is trying to genuinely help them. It's an opportunity to be a light. I always like to think through how much light is appropriate in a situation. You know, no one takes the light, no one likes it when the light switch is turned on at 4 a.m., right? It's blinding. Flood lamps, they're not good to see if your pupils are dilating. That'll lead to blindness. Sometimes, a glimmer of light is perfect. A candle is the perfect ambiance. You know, if someone trusts you enough to share a bit of the darkness that they're going through, go into that sacred space with reverence. Pray for wisdom and have the heart ready to bring light that's needed, not a quick solution. I want to stick to this light concept, but identify an excuse some people make. They're like, I'm not a light. You know, I'm, my life is too messed up to be a light. How could God use someone like me? Well, I just want to remind you that God uses imperfect people all the time. People get into trouble when they pretend that their life's perfect. No one life is perfect. We all mess up. And sometimes if you try to make this facade that you have it all together, well, it becomes so heavy that you'll crumble at some point. We all have to be honest about who we are, the gaps that we have in our character, and allow God to help grow us. We need to be in relationships with truth and grace where God comes into play and we get to be like him. No one is perfect other than Jesus. Read through the Bible and look at the highs and lows of people. Lies were told in the Bible. People got hammered. Friends, wives were taken. And then they murdered them to stay with the wives. Prostitutes were sought after. Jesus was rejected by a disciple. Jesus was betrayed by a disciple. Missionaries got in fights and split apart. What we see over and over again in Scripture is that there's no perfect people. And when people need to portray perfection, there's always problems. What people need to see is authenticity. This isn't about saying, ah, oh, no one's perfect, I'll do whatever I want. No, this is about pursuing Jesus and sharing our imperfection with others on a genuine journey. We pursue Jesus together with one another, and we share Jesus to others that are curious about Jesus in an authentic way. People need to understand that faith is about a relationship that's dependent on Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus is based on grace, not our perfection. I mentioned being a light earlier, and I used the example of gossip. I had to reach out to someone that shared something with me that, honestly, it was oversharing. And I just listened. And then I asked questions. And that information added to my case. And it felt so good in the moment. And I had to call them back and say, you know what? Truthfully, I got too much out of that conversation. And I'm sorry. I received that. I didn't ask you to step. My apologies. You know, one of the best things we can do when we mess up or we overshare or we misspeak our anger gets the best of us, is to actually step up and say, hey, that's not consistent with who I want to be. I did have those actions. 
But that's not who I'm called to be. Being humble has a huge impact on our mission. Because here's something we all know is true. How we live each and every day impacts how people interpret the words that we say. Again, I'll say how we live each and every day impacts how people interpret the words we say. We need to understand that the way we live out our faith as followers of Jesus has a huge impact on people's receptivity to the Christian faith. You've heard the saying, no one cares what you know until they know you care. This is especially true when it comes to faith. No one cares about your belief in God until they believe you care about them genuinely. So again, let's be light. Let's be real and invest in real relationships. Let's get to know our coworkers, our neighbors, their parents, other students. Be with them. Love them. Pray with them because God wants to use us to impact them with his good news. The second thing I really want to point out is in addition to living our lives in front of others, we need to be prepared to share our story about Jesus and what he's done in our lives. Peter said it this way. He says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Whenever someone asks you about your faith, we need to be prepared to give an answer. Someone may say, why do you pray? Why do you believe in God? Why do you trust the Bible? Why do you go to church? We should not only be prepared to answer these kinds of questions, we need to be prepared to do it with gentleness and respect. And to me, this typically involves a solid why mixed with our own personal experience. A story about our lives intersecting with Jesus. I'd like to end by sharing an example of Paul doing this and then sharing with you a framework you can use to prepare your own answers as you live out the purpose of sharing the good news with others. You know, Paul's testimony is recorded in the book of Acts in a few places, but this is a conversation he's having with King Agrippa, and he was on trial, and his conversation starts in verse 2, but I want to skip ahead to verse 9 and pick up there. Paul says, I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus, the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priests, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison, and I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. What Paul's doing here is sharing who he was before he met Christ. He doesn't sugarcoat who he was. He talked about how he persecuted Christians. Then he continues on about his encounter with Jesus. One day, I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed with the authority and commission of the leading priests. About noon, your majesty, as I was on the road, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord, I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Here Paul is sharing how he encountered Jesus, how he came to his faith. You know, if you've accepted Jesus, you have your own story of who you were before Jesus, 
What happened to you when you made a decision to follow Jesus? What were those circumstances? And then Paul goes on and shares how his life was changed. And so, King Agrippa, I obeyed that vision from heaven. I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that all must repent of their sins and turn to God and prove that they have changed by the good things they do. Some Jews arrested me in the temple for preaching this, and they tried to kill me. But God has protected me right up to this present time so I can testify to everyone from the least to the greatest. I teach nothing except what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead and in this way announce God's light to Jews and Gentiles alike. Paul shares how his life changed after encountering Jesus. And he doesn't paint a picture that life's easy. He's there, obviously, on trial. But what he did was he shared a very simple testimony model that you and I can also use. When we share our story, we could talk about our lives before we met Jesus, the opportunity we had when we encountered Jesus, and how our life has changed since we met Jesus. No one can argue with you about your testimony. They may not believe you, but your changed life, the way you live, it shows that Jesus made a difference in your life. Each of us has a very unique story to tell. Yours may be full of pain and struggle or a life that has been pretty straight and narrow. Both will uniquely connect with people needing to hear the good news of Jesus. You should take some time. Think about your own relationship with God, your own struggles, and how he has been involved in your life. I encourage you, worry less about having your story just right and worry more about connecting with people and being involved in their lives. Worry more about being invested in the lives of others in order to have the opportunity to share your own story. Your story doesn't need to connect with everyone, but I guarantee God wants to use it to connect with someone. Let me say that again. Your story doesn't need to connect with everyone, but I guarantee God wants to use it to connect with someone. Also, I want to say your story can be so much more than just a conversion story, the time when you surrendered your life to Jesus. You can look over your life and you can think through the critical moments when you experienced Jesus showing up in a unique way to help in a specific instance. That outline looks something like this. Your life or your thoughts before that situation, how Jesus showed up in that situation and how your life and thoughts have changed since then. You know, when I look at my own story, I've seen God show up in a big way at critical moments in my life. At times where I was at a crossroads, when I felt a call to ministry, or how I ended up in Bible college, how I met Carrie, planning experience. I've also seen God be involved in painful times when we miscarried, when our son had cancer, when I had Lyme's disease, when I've been wrestling with God with big faith questions. You know, I have a testimony about each of those situations. And if someone asks me, how have I seen God at work? I have a story to share. But guess what? People don't always listen and believe our stories, do they? Listen to what Festus said after Paul shared his moving testimony. Suddenly, Festus shouted, Paul, you're insane. Too much study has made you crazy. But Paul replied, I'm not insane. Most excellent, Festus. What I am saying is the sober truth. And King Agrippa knows about these things. I speak boldly, for I am sure these events are all familiar to him, for they were not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Agrippa interrupted him. Do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian so quickly? And Paul replied, whether quickly or not, I pray to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am, except for these chains. Then the king, the governor, Bernice, and all the others stood and left. Again, we're not responsible the way someone responds 
to us sharing the good news of Jesus. But we all can do what Paul said, whether quickly or not. I pray to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am, except for these chains. You know, God wants each of us to be willing to share our story, to be able to share his good news. In the chat, there's a link to a resource called Second Greatest Story Ever Told. And it's a tool that can help you prepare to share your story. Trust me, you have a story worth sharing if it involves God. Your story is perfect for what God is hoping to accomplish with it. And what would God do if every one of us took the time, put into words our faith journeys, and shared it with others? If we carry these journeys with so many others, this is such good news that the world's desperate to hear. Let's pray together, friends. Now, God, uh, as we're here, maybe someone comes to mind that we feel an urge to share your good news with, and we're just praying for an opportunity. So, God, bring to mind someone that we can develop a relationship with or further our relationship with, not to create a project, but, God, so that they can experience your love in a practical way, and by experiencing your love, they can fall more in love with you, to put their trust in you, to accept your salvation and connect with you. God, I'm so thankful for the opportunity that you give us each and every week to learn more about you. And God, I pray you'll give us the strength to live it out. Thank you for gazing us in purpose. Thank you for giving us a purpose. Thank you for creating us for a purpose. Thank you for the series. Let us live it out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, a question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.